Hello, and welcome to this podcast of Sunday Sermons from Concord United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll find this message to be meaningful, insightful, and a refreshing part of your daily walk with God. Please feel free to share this podcast with family, friends, or anyone else who might benefit from it. This podcast is part of the digital ministries of Concord United, and we are grateful that you have chosen to experience worship and God's Word with us. For more information about Concord United and its ministries, please visit our website at concordunited.org. So you know what they say, there are two kinds of people in the world. People that like cilantro and the people who don't. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but you know who you are. Cilantro is what makes uh, Mexican food and, and really food from other cuisines, particularly Asian cuisine, has a lot of cilantro used in Chinese food, uh, and it doesn't taste the same without it. But of course, to those who don't like cilantro, that's good. They don't want it to taste like that because it tastes bad to them. And there's a reason why. Uh, it's, research has shown that there's a, there's a, a genetic predisposition in some people, to not be able to process the en- an enzyme that's in cilantro properly, and so it tastes like, many people say soap, instead of what I'm, see- I'm seeing people go like this, yep, it does taste like soap to me, it's awful, don't get it near me, and I get that. Um, but for other people, cilantro was, was delightful, and it's why Mexican food, uh, it's one of the reasons Mexican food is so unique, as, as well as some other cuisines. So, so here's the thing, for those of you who are missing out, by the way, on what real Mexican food tastes like, uh, uh, this is a public service announcement for you, uh, you can actually get used to it. They say that if you eat a little bit at a time and crush the leaves up really well, that it gets rid of some of the, of the, of the enzyme in there that uh, it seems to interact harshly with your brain, and you can actually learn to like it. Why would you want to do that? So that you can properly enjoy all these different cuisines with the flavors they're supposed to have. Now, I'm, I'm kidding a little, but not really much, um, because there is this impulse in some people to discriminate against food that has cilantro in it, and that's fine. You don't have to, though. If you really wanted to like cilantro, you can. It takes a little work to overcome that initial impulse that says, eh, I'm not sure. And I say all that to say this, discrimination sounds like an ugly word, and it is in certain contexts, but the fact of the matter is, we were born to discriminate. We do it many times when we walk to the refrigerator in the morning and it's time for cereal. If you're like me and you're having some Cheerios with a little bit of protein cereal mixed in with it and blueberries. And so I have ruined too many bowls of cereal and learned that when that carton gets down to about there or that jug, you got to take the top off and give it a sniff uh, before you ruin your entire bowl of cereal. Now, now here's a word to the wise. And this is, this is extra, by the way. No extra charge for this. I'm just throwing this in. If you do that, sometimes it can smell bad simply because the dried milk that's around the, 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 the 
top of it can smell. And here's what you do. If it smells a little funky, just get a little uh, dish or something and pour a little in it and smell it that way. You might find that you can save that last three ounces of milk and actually use it on your cereal. There you go. I've just asked no extra charge for that. Uh, fun facts to know and tell. But the bottom line is um, we, we do discriminate. We discriminate at other foods whenever foods smell bad to us. There's a reason for that. And it's saying to us, don't eat it. It could be a problem. Um, for some people, however, uh, like the cilantro eaters, they're may, uh, except for a different reason, they don't like certain foods because it's been handed down to them. If parents, if a parent hated broccoli, it's very likely that the child isn't going to get broccoli and not going to eat it, but they're going to say, my friends eat broccoli. Yes, but broccoli's yucky, the parent says. We're not going to have it. And so they kind of grow up in learning that. And so I want you to hang on to these two things as we move forward. And that is, if there is something that tastes odd that everybody seems to like, uh, you can actually learn to like it if you want to. Uh, discrimination is good. Having a discriminating palate can keep us from getting sick, um, but it also, there, there, is, there are also people who don't like certain foods because it got handed down to them. And so discrimination is good, except it becomes tricky when it involves people. Now, we discriminate when it comes to people, and sometimes that's good. If someone comes up to you, arms wide open, wanting a big hug, and you have no idea who they are, it's probably, you know, we probably want to step back and go, okay, wait a minute. Especially these days, uh, you know, with COVID still on the map, maybe, maybe we want to be careful about that. Or, you know, if you get a phone call from somebody who's in your contact list, and you go, okay, I'll answer that. But if you get potential spam, uh, you, you're like, uh, I don't know, because it may Maybe for the 12th time today that someone is called telling me that they've been searching for me because the warranty on my car is about to run out. And, and, and so you want to just kind of filter them out. And there may be other reasons uh, why you want to be careful around an individual person who you think me maybe uh, is going to be a, a threat. However, here's the tricky part. When we start discriminating against entire groups of people simply because of something we think, maybe something that got handed down to us by a parent or, uh, or something we've heard or something we believe to be true about them, then that can be, that can be a, a problem. Just the other day, and, and I got accused of this the other day, and it wasn't true. Here's an example between the difference, in, uh, the difference between the two. There were these two young men in, on our little street uh, going house to house. And they were selling uh, uh, pest control services. So the guy came running into my yard and he, and he said, I, sir, sir, can I talk to you for a minute? And I'm like, sure, I can talk to you a minute. Do you have any pests? And I'm thinking, well, what do you, I've, I've got this one in my yard. No, 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 no. I, I, no, I did not say that. You know, and I'm like, no, actually we have, and you know, I was trying to explain, we have pest control. Sir, we, did you know that we uh, check also, can I look in your garage? I'm like, no, 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 you can't look at my garage because I don't know who you are. And you may be, you may be looking for stuff that I'm not aware of that I don't need to show you. Uh, so no, you, no, you can't. Uh, but we get up in the eaves and he kept going in. I'm like, Young man, we, I stopped him. I said, we have a, a pest control service and we're pretty happy with him. And he said, oh, I get it. You don't like door-to-door -door salesmen. And I'm like, 
No, no, that's not what I said. I could have told him the story about at our other house where this van pulled up one day and the doors opened and it looked like one of those clown cars at the circus and people just started piling out of this van and a guy came up and he said, we were in the neighborhood putting gutter guard on and I can give you gutter guard for X amount of money. And I'm like, okay. So, you know, it was a door-to-door sales and worked out great. We had that gutter guard for years at a really good price. I'm like, no, no, I don't have a problem with this group of people known as door or salesman, I just have a problem with you because I don't need what you're selling. It's as simple as that. I have a good reason. But sometimes we, sometimes we don't differentiate that very well, and sometimes we do just decide that we don't like this entire group of people for some particular reason. And we all have these impulses inside of us, like the impulse to not like cilantro, or the impulse to not eat broccoli because our parent didn't like broccoli, or this impulse to not like all door-to-door salesmen because we had one obnoxious one somewhere along the way. And you can't make that transfer. We have to be careful with those impulses because then it fans out into skin color and language and nationality and religious background or political views. Man, man, we're writing off people now because they, they identify as a, a Democrat or Republican and we just write them off. Oh, you're one of the, oh, wow, no, I don't want to have anything to do with you. Well, come on, you don't even know me. And, and, and we do that. And we discriminate then against these huge groups of people. And that's where we start to get sideways with God. And that's what I want to talk about. If we want to be disciples, if we really want to carry the name of Jesus with us, and I'm assuming that's why we're all here this morning, then we have to be careful about who's in and who's out of our circle. And that's what we're going to talk about for a few minutes this morning. Because here's the deal. Here's the, and, and we all know this right now. Um, Discrimination can save us from being sick or buying something we don't need. But discrimination can also hurt others. It can be as simple as not listening to somebody or helping somebody because they're from one of those groups. All the way to walking into a supermarket in the African American part of town and killing people. There's a lot of space in between the two. But this business of, of discriminating against groups of people never leads to anything good. And that's why we have to talk about it so that we can be a good witness in the world. So let's, let's talk about that for a few minutes. Where does that, where does that come from? And, and here's an example before I read the passage. It's not Christmas. We're in late June. Well, let's think about the Grinch. I don't, this just came to me this morning as I was driving in. I was thinking about the Grinch. The Grinch hated Who's. And he hated everybody in Whoville. And he hated Christmas, right? He hated those people. How could you hate Cindy Lou Who, for heaven's sake? I would adopt her if I could. She's precious. But he did. And it wasn't the, but it wasn't the Who's problem. They were wonderful It was the Grinch's problem. What was his problem? His heart was three sizes too small. And he, so, so his hatred was for this entire group of people because he had a problem with his heart. And that happens over and over and over and over and over again every day. And I've been guilty of it, dare I say, 
I'm guessing you've been guilty of it at one time or another. And you know what? That doesn't make us bad people. It makes us human. But before we turn into bad people, we want to claim the power of Jesus to help us live as a witness for him in the world. So, let me read the passage. And uh, it's, it's an interesting one. It's brief. And it has that line in it about feeding food to the dogs. What? What? What are you talking about, Jesus? Let's hear it. Let's hear it, this story uh, from the scripture. And then we'll talk about it for just a few minutes. So, so this is from Matthew chapter 15, starting with verse 21. Leaving that place... And Jesus had just been in the Sea of Galilee area, and he had moved up to another spot. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Now, that's an odd, for him, odd place for him to go, kind of up to the northwest, up out of Jewish territory into, into Gentile territory. More on that. And a Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman then came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Yes, Lord, she said, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed in that very hour. Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you for these stories. They shake us up a little. They leave us scratching our heads and wondering where in the world do we fit into all this. But you know. And so we pray now that the same Holy Spirit that inspired Matthew to write would inspire us to hear. So that we find truth that could transform our living today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Tyre and Sidon or Sidon, depending on how you know, highfalutin you are and want to sound Hebrew, I, I, and I'm not. Uh, it's up kind of to the north, from where you're looking, it would be to the northwest of Sea of Galilee's here, and Jerusalem is in, south of there. But it's a place where Gentiles were. Who are Gentiles? They're just everybody who isn't Jewish. They were Gentiles. So that's kind of a generic way to think about that region. And so it's kind of an odd, it's a kind of odd that Jesus would be going there. But he had been pressed by the people. He had been hounded by the Pharisees. And I think it was like, you know, to his disciples, guys, come on, road trip. I always got to get out of here. I need to collect my thoughts, kind of catch my breath, clear my head. Because these, these religious people are driving me crazy. So they went up there. And then it's says that they met up with a Canaanite woman. Now, it's, it's all sort of considered the land of Canaan. Uh, these are the people who, weren't, who, who were there when the Jewish people moved in. And yeah, there were some Jews scattered around probably, but a Canaanite woman, this is hardcore. This is not, this is not some cosmopolitan um, resident of Tyre or Sidon. This is, this is a woman who's born and raised, hardcore, dyed in the wool, Gentile, pagan to use that word, Canaanite. Okay, it, think of it this way: If you're a Vols fan and you're and you're a big Vols fan, and you got your and you got your Vols gear on, uh, and you got your daddy hat on now that everybody's wearing, and your Vols baseball jersey, and you go to Gainesville, Florida, you could say, you know, 
In Gainesville, Florida, there was a hardcore Florida fan. So you could probably go to Gainesville, Florida and be okay. But then you run into that hardcore Gator fan, you know. And we all know who he or she is. And I know we have some in here, so I'm not going to throw off on that obnoxious color of orange and blue that they wear. I'm not going to say anything about that. But, but the fact of the matter is, that's what it would be like. He went to Tyre and Sidon and came across a Canaanite woman. He went to Gainesville and came across a hardcore Gator fan. It's kind of that kind of thing. And, you know, you're tensing up. And the Jewish person goes to Tyre and Sidon runs into a Canaanite woman. And they're tensing up and going, you know, they're starting to twitch. And I don't want anything to do. I don't want to be here anymore. Jesus, why did you bring us to this place? Is probably what the disciples are saying. Why are we even here? We knew this was going to be trouble. So, so Jesus does three things. Or we can read three things into this. And I'm going to project a little. I'll tell you that right off. But I think I'm within, I think I'm within the boundaries of what, of what this passage is trying to teach us. When I was a kid, they would always teach you before you cross the street, stop, look, and listen. Right? Stop. Stop where you are. Look. Is anything coming? Listen. Is there a car coming around the corner you can't see? Stop, look, and listen so we can all be safe was the advertising that I remember seeing on TV and in other places. Stop, look, and listen. So, so that we can all be safe in this world, Christians should stop, look, and listen when we find ourselves in a situation where we're about to run into somebody from some group of people that we're seeing as a group. Okay, so that's, that's the idea for a minute. So Jesus stopped. They're passing through Tyre and Sidon. And my guess is the disciples are walking around, you know, looking over their shoulder going, Jesus, you know, we're not in Kansas anymore. You know, like T- Dorothy said to Toto, uh, we, we, we really ought to go back to the, to the Sea of Galilee. And then they come across this Canaanite woman. And the disciples just want to dismiss her just like that. Send her away, Jesus. She, she keeps crying out after us. And I'm reading between the lines here. And you know, Jesus, she's one of those. And she keeps crying out for us. And we're Jewish men. And we have the gospel. And, and, and so what does Jesus do? He stops. Okay, hold it. Stop. And, and yes, the next few things he says are kind of odd. But he stopped that momentum. And there's a lesson there for us too. When we find ourselves about to go down that trail and, and there's somebody from a different, I don't know, political viewpoint that we're just, it just ruffles our feathers badly or I don't know, what, for whatever reason we're about to condemn somebody or shy away from somebody, clear out from somebody because they're from one of those groups, we need to stop. As soon as that impulse hits, we stop, just stop. When the impulse to discriminate begins, stop the process that feeds it. If you're in a conversation with somebody, well, you know how those people are. And you know how you can get with other people. And all of a sudden, man, it just gets that going. It just, Jesus is like, no, we're not going to go there, guys. Stop. You can do that. You can just go, you know what, I'm not listening right now. Uh, I got to go get a drink of water if you're with other people. And they're starting to tee off on these people. You know, remember, we are those people to somebody else. Then just, just stop for a minute. Let the impulse pass. And then we look. We stop and then we look. Verse 25, the woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me. And so Jesus, you know, was standing there looking at her. And then, and then what he says, I believe, 
is for the disciples' benefit. He says what he says. It's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Dogs is, it could have been, it could have been a little bit of shade thrown because, because she was not a Jewish person. That sometimes can happen in, in that vernacular. Um, not sure, but certainly what, the point of what he was saying was, you know, she was saying, come heal my daughter. And he's like, and he's talking, I believe he's talking to the disciples. I believe the whole time he's ostensibly talking to her, he's side-eyeing those disciples. Yeah, well, I came to save the lost sheep of Israel. He's looking at her now, looking at her and drawing her out with this conversation. And she says, yes, Lord, but, and, and he says, it's not right to take the children's bread, toss it to the dogs. The idea is, we, we're just going to give the gospel to anybody and everybody. I came for the people of Israel. That was where the mission started, by the way. And then she comes back and says, yeah, but, don't the dogs get to eat the crumbs from the floor? You know, and the disciples are just, you know, at this point they're just dumbfounded. But he's looking at her. He's not looking at Tyre and Sidon. He's not looking at Canaanite people. He's looking at this woman who approached him with a terrible need that he could address. And it makes all the difference in the world when we approach it that way. Have you ever been on the business end of that? Have you ever been on the other end of someone generalizing about you like that? That's a quick story. Uh, when I was in seminary, um, this was in mid-90s. Okay, so this is 25 years ago. Um, there was a student, there were several students there who were gay at Candler School of Theology um, at Emory University. Um, and one was, was, help, was trying to get people to go to a, they were going to have a march. Because remember, gay rights 25 years ago was, was, it was, they were just looking not to be killed and not to be hated. And we're trying to get some sort of, trying to get people to think of them as at least as human beings and, and reins in some of, the, some of the hatred. So they were going to have this gay rights parade and, or, or march, I guess it was. And so he was, he was trying to get students. And backstory. Uh, I stayed in a house in a, that a woman rented out rooms to seminary students, and there was another man who rented a room up there, and he was uh, in the Marine Reserves. He was trying to get his theology degree because he wanted to be a chaplain for the rest of his time in the Marine Corps. And he was very conservative theologically, very, very smart, very conservative, which was not always the, uh, the popular position at Emory School, at Candler School of Theology, and he would speak up in class. And so people, people started making a about him. Oh, he's a Marine and he's very conservative. We know he hates gay people. And then because I knew him, and he was the first person I met down there because he had the room next to mine. We would hang out together sometimes and have lunch in the commons area. Well, then I get, I get thrown into that mix too. And so I'm walking by and this guy's got, he's stopping people, you know, would you, would you sign up to march in this march or whatever? And I said, you know, I'm only here through Thursday or Friday, depending on classes. I have a wife and children and a church at home. I, I'm not here on, it was going to be on Saturday. I'm not here on the weekends. Oh, okay. Well, that's cool. Well, thanks, man. But no, no. And I found this out because I have a, a friend that I made who was part of that group that, man, rubber stamp, homophobe. He's a conservative pastor, homophobe, and uh, we don't want anything to do with him. 
It's not true. I, I'm not homophobic. And, and, I, and, and he was totally cool with why I couldn't march in the prayer. He had a good reason why I couldn't. And he was fine. But the other people, you know, and that's what people do. Because they weren't looking at me. They weren't looking at me. He did. He looked at me and listened, heard my story. Not them. No, they just labeled me because of association. And it's kind of painful. Made me mad at first. Then it just hurt my feelings. Then it just hurt me that these people who were going to be out ministers of the gospel thought that way. So, discrimination, you see. Discrimination sees people. Jesus sees a person. That's a big difference. I was a person. I had my own story. But they just saw I was just in a group of people. It's tough when you're on the other end of that. Now, that, that's, nothing, that's nothing like the other people uh, that, that are in those groups, particularly people of color as we think about Juneteenth and what African Americans have gone through now for all these years trying to claim the freedom that was supposed to be theirs, and, yet it, may, and it may be legislated that way, and there have been lots of government programs, but... I think I mentioned my, my, I, have a, I have a good uh, African-American friend who's also a part-time pastor and I knew him from a health club that he helped manage and, uh, and I saw him one day and we were just talking after, it was after two years ago after the high-profile murder and, uh, and I said, what, what, how am I to process this? And he said, Larry, it's every day. He gave me an example. He, was, he was, uh, had been to Weigel's earlier that day. He was going in to get a sports drink before he came to work. And he was walking in the door, and there was an elderly white woman walking up behind him. And so he said, you know, I heard my daddy. You opened the door for your elder son. And so he opened the door. She wouldn't walk in. She just stood there and looked down. Wouldn't walk in. Because he was one of them. He's a great guy. He said, you know, but I've learned. I just walked in and let the door close, or she would have stood there all day. She wasn't going to let me open the door for her. And so this is, these are these impulses that we have to try to get a handle on um, by looking at people, not groups of people. So one more. He listened. He listened to her. The disciples found one of those women. Jesus found a mom whose daughter was in trouble and needed help. And so he listened. He listened to her. He heard the story. And the story, I don't think it changed his heart. I think his heart was pure to start with. He was trying to make an, he was trying to get, teach the disciples through this whole thing. But it can change ours. A quick, quick story about my friend, older man, he's gone now. Um, he was a racist straight up. Straight up. I, I mean, he was a friend, and I, and I admired certain things about him, but I couldn't get past that. It, it was, I mean, it was, he was, it was, it got ugly sometimes with things that he would say. And as things work out, he had this granddaughter that he just worshipped. And she fell in love with an African-American man, and they got married. Oh, my gosh. He didn't know, he didn't know whether he was coming or going. Then they had a little baby. He worshipped that little baby. At about five months old, they discovered this terrible GI problem that was going to have to be fixed in surgery at Vanderbilt Hospital. The last time I saw him was at, at a lunch. And he told me the story. Tears 
tears rolling down his cheeks. He said, that little boy, he said, it's not right, it's not fair. That little boy, pray for that little boy to live. He, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden it wasn't them anymore. It was a person with a story. And when it's a person with a story, here's what happens. Stories reveal the heart that our eyes can miss. And so we can't start making judgments and discriminating when we don't know the story. It makes all the difference. We were born to be discriminating. We really were. And it can save us. It can also hurt others. But we were born again to take great care when that involves people. Amen? We have to. Because there are people out there that are who they are. This is who they are. And whether, whether it's because they're Democrat or Republican or rich or poor or come from this place or that place or they're black or they're Asian or they're whatever, I don't know. That's just who they are. Our job is to see a person, not groups of people, and stop and look and listen and let our heart lead the way. Let us pray. Almighty God, this is hard because some of us, Lord, grew up in a situation where that happened and it happened frequently and we kind of took that on. But Lord, there are lots of things we used to do that we don't do anymore because we love you and we're trying to live for you. So help us with this. We pray for your spirit, Lord, to reshape our heart so that it desires what you desire. And so that we no longer see groups of people that we don't understand and have a problem with. But help us, oh God, to see a person and a story that we can relate to. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Concord United Methodist Church. This podcast is a ministry of Concord United, and we would love to hear from you. To contact us, please send an email to podcasts at concordunited.org with sermons in the subject line. For more information about Concord United, including worship times, service opportunities, mission efforts, and classes, please visit our website at concordunited.org. We also invite you to download and enjoy our daily devotional podcasts presented by the pastors and members of Concord United. Finally, we would appreciate it if you would leave a rating and a review of this podcast so that others can discover it and benefit from it.